Welcome to Pivot Point of View. This is Becky Pearson, and the goal of this podcast is to bring you health and wellness tips for you and the horse you rode in on. Welcome, everybody, to Pivot Point of View. It's Becky Pearson, and today I am joined with Dr. Lee Warren, and uh, I'm super excited to visit with him because he is a neurosurgeon not far from us in North Platte, Nebraska, and uh, I was very amazed when I heard about you and um, somebody said, well, check out this book that this neurosurgeon wrote. And um, so I had to, I had to get the book and um, read that. And so I really wanted to have a conversation with you because I have started listening to your podcast as well. And I'll let you dive into that a little bit today. And so um, tell us your story. Like, where did you Where'd you grow up? How did you get into neurosurgery and, and what took you down the path you went? Great. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on today, Becky. I appreciate it. Um, my wife, Lisa, and I moved to North Platte from Casper, Wyoming about uh, eight months ago, nine months ago. Um, we were in Wyoming for five years and previously had been in Alabama before that. Um, had, uh, we're in private practice in Alabama and then after the Affordable Care Act, uh, commonly known as Obamacare, passed, um, really became very expensive and almost impossible to be in solo practice, um, just significantly raised the overhead. And, and so we decided to look for employed uh, practice opportunities and had always loved the West. So we ended up in Wyoming, and that was really cool. Um, but then uh in the late part of 2019, um, there was an acquisition by a big hospital corporation of that hospital. And, and it just kind of the big corporate medicine thing was not what we were interested in. And around the same time, the uh, recruiter who had brought me to Wyoming in the first place reached out and said, Hey, they're, they're trying to start a neurosurgery program from the ground up in this place called North Platte, which I'd never heard of. <laughs> but, so we decided to take a look and, and just, you know, kind of prayerfully thought we'd, we'd, check it out and we're looking at jobs all over the country and, and we came to North Platte and the first question we had for the hospital was why do you think you need a neurosurgery program here and they told us uh, lots of stories about how they had to fly people out of here they've never had a brain surgeon here at all and and, and there would never been helicopters coming this direction an area that encompasses a square mileage about the same size of Pennsylvania that's never had a neurosurgeon and so we were kind of intrigued by the idea of, of starting something that would really benefit a lot of people and so we started looking around the community a little bit and, and the first three people we met that didn't work in the hospital had had family members that were flown out of this hospital for yeah. neurosurgery it was like amazing just the lord just showed us over and over a brain tumor a hydrocephalus patient a head injury um and so then we started looking for places that we might potentially live if we decided to come here. And the first piece of land that we looked at that we ultimately bought was owned by two people whose son had died of a glioblastoma. Oh my God. And so we were like, we're supposed to be here. <laughs> like, this is obvious <laughs> that we're supposed to be in this place. And so um, it's just been a great uh, experience. And, and I'm uh, very blessed and fortunate to have 
my PA and her family and our um, OR supply guy and his family um, all decided to come with us. And then shortly after we came, um, our billing and insurance lady and her family decided to come. So we brought 12 people with us to North Platte. We increased the population by like 1% of the, of the city. So we, we, we brought our whole team with us basically. And, and it's been a great, um, and Lisa's working in the, in the hospital as well as a consultant establishing and, and helping to run the business of neurosurgery as she did in our private practice. So we really, uh, are getting to work together again and with all of our same people that we're comfortable with. And it's been really um, a beautiful thing. And so for the first time, you know, Life Flight's bringing patients to Great Plains Health instead of flying them away for neurosurgery. So that's cool. Um, I grew up in uh, in a Christian home in Oklahoma and um, was was raised to have a deep faith uh, in the Lord. And, and so as I decided I wanted to become a physician, um, always, I just, I, ne I never had that problem of reconciling science and faith um, that so many people struggle with. Because for me, it seemed obvious that science came from the creator. And, and so um, as I got into neuroscience and, and the nervous system, um, the thing that really did it for me was seeing the detail and organization of the nervous system, no matter how deeply we look into it. So that we, as we get better imaging and better technology to look deeper into the cells and deeper into the anatomy, we, we never stop finding more complexity. It, it just gets more and more intricate the deeper you look, which to me is the opposite of what we see in nature, right? The, the longer you leave nature unattended, the more chaotic things get. But here we have in the nervous system, things getting more and more organized. And, and so I just, that emphasized to me the reality of, of faith as a designed entity, the nervous system as a designed entity, and, and I can have great faith in that. So that's really, that's kind of the nutshell of my story. I was also in the military, um, received a scholarship for medical, med school from the Air Force and ended up in uh, Iraq uh, in a combat hospital in 2004 and five, which my first book was about uh, that experience and some of the PTSD and some of the things I dealt with and uh, going through all of that. So um, I actually started writing as a result of uh, kind of learning how to unpack some of those things that I saw in the war. And um, that's been a whole another sort of second career. So, yeah. So what was the name of the first book? I found the second book that you wrote. The first book was No Place to Hide. And it's a brain surgeon's long journey home from the Iraq war. It was published by Zondervan in 2014. And, and that book got a little bit of notoriety. The chief of staff of the Air Force named it to their professional reading list for 2015. So the whole Air Force read it. And, and that was kind of cool. And um, that led to the publication of my second book last year, uh, which is really a whole different story we're talking about in a minute. But um, so all of that though, really writing and uh, blogging and podcasting really started full time for me after we, we lost a son in 2013 and, and that kind of learning how to be one of those people going through hard things instead of just trying to help those people going through hard things is really what started me on this path of podcasting and connecting with people like you. Well, I think it's, um, I mean, I give you so much, uh, uh, credit for, you know, getting, getting out there and sharing your experience with others, because I mean, obviously it would be, I have no idea what you went through and, and I hope I never do. And, um, I, I can't imagine. And I think, you know, probably when people go through that, they feel very alone and, and, yeah. you know, not many people can relate to that. So I think, 
you're reaching out and sharing your story um, probably has a lot of healing benefits for you as well as helping others for sure. So. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, when you talk about uh, gifts that you've been given, you know, by the Lord or, or however you view that in your worldview, um, from a Christian worldview, there's all this information in the New Testament, how Jesus expects us to use the gifts that we've been given. And, and, I, and I dawned on Lisa, my wife and I, that we had a gift of being able to put words to what we were feeling and experiencing as bereaved parents. And it was amazing to us when we did that, how many other people took comfort and, and could find their way through that darkness because they didn't have the words to say what they were going through. And so us being able to say it for them, equipped them to be able to process and handle those things. You know, I think that's a good lesson for all of us really is sometimes you have something that somebody else needs. And even though it hurts to share it with them, <laughs> it helps, it ends up helping you more when you do it. And, and that's really what we learned um, from our, our journey sort of of starting to, to share these things with other people. And that's led to all kinds of blessings for us that, um, that have made true that promise in Romans eight twenty eight about how God will work thing, work everything for good to those that love him. It's not good to lose a son, um, but it is good to, um, find community among a lot of other hurting people and, and find ways to, to help and be helped by them, by your willingness to share what you're going through. Yeah. And I, I think that's a great, a, a great point. Like even as I was reading your book, what struck me about it, I think is um, to the, the fact that you're not afraid to share your faith with your patients and um, with those around you, because, you know, I, I'm not sure as you went through your training, medical training, and, and they talk about, you know, your professionalism. And a lot of times, you know, you aren't, aren't always supposed to share personal things. And, um, to me that I never, I guess I never felt that comfortable always keeping a wall between me and patients. You know, yes, you have to kind of have some professional distance there, but I feel like I want them to know who I am as a person as well. And, um, and so I think, you know, there aren't very many in the medical practices that, that do step out and share their faith and, and um, things about themselves with their patients. And so I, I think patients will appreciate that to know that you are human and you're, um, you know, you're, you're just like them and you put your pants on one leg at a time and, and you have struggles as well. So I'm sure that that's right. A lot of things your way as well. So, um, Tell me a little bit about, so neurosurgery. Okay. So we'll, we'll come back to, cause I I've referred a patient over to you guys. He he'll be coming here in a couple of weeks thank and um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, so like, so obviously your, your book uh, uh, called um, I've seen the end of you was a lot about uh, dealing with patients with glioblastoma multiform, right? Yep. Brain tumor. Yep. Brain tumor. Yep. And, um, but the day-to-day things also that you do and see like neck pain that has, uh, people numbness tingling in their arms, uh, back pain, numbness tingling legs. You, you do all of that as well, right? Yep. All intracranial 
problems except um, movement disorders. I can help evaluate them, but deep brain stimulation and that sort of thing is pretty specialized. Um, And then most people with aneurysms and vascular malformations these days should be treated endovascularly, which we can't do in North Platte. So um, the standard of care really for cerebral aneurysms these days is, is endovascular. So they those tend to get referred to university centers. Other than that, um, intracranial surgery we handle, and then all spinal surgery, um, except um, juvenile scoliosis really is a pretty specialized thing, and I tend to refer those uh, to to juvenile scoliosis surgeons. Um, Other than that, peripheral nerve, uh, you know, carpal tunnel, ulnar nerve, uh, Guillain canal, um, some brachial plexus type stuff, and then all the spine, spinal fusion, all, all those things um, we can handle. We don't do elective pediatric work. I'm happy to evaluate and help, you know, find the right place for those folks. Um, but we don't do elective pediatric surgery at Great Plains, but if I would do a life-saving, you know, epidural hematoma or some kind of hydrocephalus or something like that. Also, of course, hydrocephalus, normal pressure hydrocephalus and, and uh, seizures, vagal nerve stimulators, pain pumps, stimulators, all that stuff. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Um, I had a really interesting case a few weeks ago that was a, um, he had a, I think kind of undiagnosed uh, brain trauma a couple times from some car accidents, but he had a broken mm-hmm. back that was, I think, took the more um, front stage, if you'd say um, front and center treatment. And he ended up having like a sensory integration issue with that. So like he became overstimulated by, you know, noise, traffic, the wind. Are those any things that do you end up referring those on to somewhere else? Or if it's a like a hyperesthesia, complex regional pain syndrome, those kinds of things tend to be managed by pain specialists unless they get to the point of needing an intrathecal pump or something to that nature. And then they would refer them back to a surgeon like me, but the actual pain management stuff, we tend to have the either physiatrist or board certified pain specialist involved. All right. Well, let's talk about your second book a little bit. What spurred the, the writing of that and um, sure. what that's about. So I've seen the interview really is it came out of this problem that I had that I think I had largely because I'm a Christian who's also a scientist. And um, when you when you have a glioblastoma patient, um, that particular cancer is almost always fatal. It's, it's a five year survival rate is basically zero. Ten year survival is zero. Really, really. Um, I've had one 10 year survivor in my career. Um so it, it, it's just a deadly disease. And so it's one of those things where if you're a Christian and the Bible says God can heal and you're supposed to pray without ceasing and, and neuroscience teaches us that and experience teaches us that people who have hope and who fight and who try and don't give up, they do better. They have, you know, they have fewer infections and they have a higher quality of life and they don't get divorced and they don't wreck their families and all that. So even if they die, they have a better life if they hold on to hope. And yet at the same time, when I look at that CAT scan or that MRI of a patient and I see that glioblastoma, I, I would always say to myself, I've seen the end of you. I know exactly what's going to happen to you. I know when it's going to happen. I know what your, what your scan is going to look like. I know what your biopsy results going to be. I know what you're going to feel like. I know when your hair is going to fall out. You know, I, just, I could just see that path because so many patients, they all do the same thing and they die in 15 months and no matter what we do, right? And so I had this conundrum of how do I tell a patient to hang on and have faith and hope when I don't have hope for them. And so I was studying that problem and other kinds of bad situations that neurosurgery puts us in with head injuries and 
all that kind of stuff. And I was trying to figure out how to doctor those people when I couldn't fix them. Right. And so I was studying that and I was doing research and I was, and I was starting to write the book about how you handle hard things when my son died and I was having my own hard thing. And so then I realized all of that preparation really was, was preparing me to learn how to sort of nourish and take, take our family, my wife and I, our family through that tragedy. And then the Lord kind of brought it all home by realizing that having experienced major tragedy like that actually made me better at the thing I started in the first place trying to do, which was doctor these people when their situation was kind of hopeless. And it, we realized that the, the deadliest disease that humans can encounter is not cancer. It's hopelessness. Like, like you're, if you lose hope, even if you survive your disease, your life is over. Like you're, you're miserable or you're never going to be okay again. But if you can find hope, then even while you're dying, you can still be living. Like you know, none of us get to choose how many days we live, but we can all choose to live them well. Right. And so that's what that book is about. Um, and it's been um, amazing to connect with people all over the world. And we just found out uh, it's being translated into Italian. That's going to come out next year. Oh. And then oh. uh, last Thursday, we found out that in fact, you're the first person outside of uh, our organization. I'll hear this um, for people to pray about. Uh, it's been nominated as a finalist for the Christian book of the year. And so wow. that's kind of cool. And so the, the award thing is May the 6th. And so what Lisa and I are praying about is just whichever one of those books that um, will have the biggest impact for people around the world, that that's the book that will be chosen. And, and so we weren't expecting a nomination like that. So we're certainly not expecting an award based on it, but it would, you know, obviously would put a lot more eyes on the story and, and all of that. So um, the, the ECPA, the Evangelical Christian Publisher Association publishes a, a, a list of the finalists in 12 categories every year for the book awards. And then the winners of those 12 are then in this, in the finalist for the, book of the year so that's where we are that is really cool i i had no idea so that uh, we'll we'll pray for it we'll uh thank you we'll be excited to hear what happens um it was interesting as i um was you know my podcast comes up you know my apple podcast comes up with the new episodes and your podcast of um is it time to build the boat yeah um, it came up this week on mine and I thought it was a new one, but as I was listening to it, it was an old one. But I thought as you were um, talking about this, it was so appropriate for, you know, you, you had actually unknowingly kind of started to build your boat yep. in preparing yourself prior to your son's death um, because of the research that you had been going through um, for your yeah. book. And so um, not that it fully prepared you for that, but I, I, I really enjoyed, uh, I'm not fully through that episode yet. I listened a little bit on my way to work and, and away home and, and things like that. So, um, it was, it was good timing, I guess. Thank uh, you. Yeah. There was, when you release an episode, as you know, um, you, when you schedule them, there's a little button you can push to tell it not to let the episode expire or to keep it always available. And somehow there were three that I, I must have published with an expiration date somehow. So when I realized that this past week, I just republished them so people could find them again. And, and okay. then it's amazing how many emails I've gotten that said, I needed that exactly. I needed that one today. Like, so that's how the Lord works, I guess. Okay. 
<laughs> that worked out good. So tell us the name of your podcast. Um, so well, it's hard to remember. It's the Dr. Lee Warren podcast. <laughs> it's just my name. So Dr. Lee Warren and it's on Podbean and Spotify and Apple and everywhere you can find podcasts. And, and the other thing that um, I want people to check out is my, I write a weekly newsletter. It's kind of a subscription, a prescription for how to change your mind and, 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 have a better life and it's uh my website is is wleewarnmd.com um and so you can get on there and you can find the podcast and my books and all the newsletter and all that kind of stuff too so great yeah i've checked it out and and it has really um i mean just great information just kind of refreshes you and Thank you. and i love the fact that you do it in a podcast form because like i'll be working at home and I'll just put a podcast on and, and, you know, do my thing and it works easier than a video for me. And, yeah. um, it's cause you can just do it while you're doing other stuff or while you're working out or whatever. And so, um, great, great medium to reach people for sure. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, you know, 75 countries download almost every month and podcasting really is the way that people learn new things now. So it's been a great experience for me. I guess you're feeling the same thing. It's, uh, it's amazing. You'll, you'll get up in the morning and check your deal and find somebody in, you know, Ethiopia is listening to your podcast in real time. It's, just, it's pretty cool. For me, it started out like during COVID, you know, we, all the elective surgeries uh, were shut down. And so our patient load was about 25% of what it normally was. And so, you know, we found all this time on our hands, basically, as we were um, trying to figure out how to navigate these waters. And it was something that I had kind of been thinking about doing and I wasn't real sure what angle I was going to take on it because we have a lot of background with horses and, and, um, my kids listen to podcasts all the time as well. And so, you know, I'm like, well, Hey, what do you think about us starting a podcast? And, and I said, I think I'd like some of it about physical therapy and some of it about being a mom and some of it about doing the horse stuff and, and, um, so yeah, ours is just kind of a little hodgepodge of everything. And, and, um, but it has been really, uh, fun cause I've been able to interview some really interesting people with it. And, um, I guess just get some of these thoughts that are rattling around in my brain out there. And I guess if nobody wants to listen, they don't want to listen, but that's great. It's been fun. Um, anything else that you want to share with us? Um, uh, we sure are happy to have you in central Nebraska. Um, Thank you. Hopefully you felt welcomed uh, for sure. So I was just going to say, we sort of feel like we've come full circle because I grew up in a town in Oklahoma called Broken Bow, oh. um, 2000 people. And it was founded by people from Broken Bow, Nebraska in the early 1900s. And so all my life I've known that there was a Broken Bow, Nebraska, but I never thought I'd live so close to it. So. So close, yeah. You know, I grew up in Minnesota. And so people ask me, you know, how do you like Nebraska compared to Minnesota? And for me, it is, you know, this feels like home. It, yep. I am around people that have similar values and um, interests in, in the things that I am interested in. And so um, I love it here. And I'm thankful uh, over the last year or so that we do live in the middle of nowhere and, yeah. and things haven't affected us quite as, as much as the East and West coast. And so that's right. I'm very thankful for that. We feel well, the same way. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. And um, I encourage everybody to check out Dr. Warren's podcast 
check out his website. And uh, the book is wonderful. I actually have a couple people that um, I've told them I'm going to give them my book when I was done with it. And so it's highly recommended. Thank you so much. Wow, what a great guy. Uh, I encourage you to check out Dr. W. Lee Warren at his website. Uh, the address on that is wleewarrenmd.com. And on there, you can see a listing and explanation of each one of his books. He has no place to hide. I've seen the end of you and a peek under the hood. So check him out. Uh, I think you will be very impressed with the books and it's very thought provoking. So please go check out his website and also listen to his podcast, the W. Lee Warren podcast. Uh, Very inspirational. He talks a lot about scripture and how it can apply to your daily lives. And so really great guy. And we're so happy to have him here in central Nebraska at their new neurosurgery center at Great Plains Health in North Platte. So thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye.